a Sabbath heart, embracing sacred days in a holy now. And I love this idea of Sabbath as a spiritual practice, rest as a spiritual practice, unplugging from the busyness to plug in to who we really are and to life itself as a spiritual practice. And the Sabbath is so at the heart of the Judeo-Christian experience that the first story in the Bible is really a creation myth about the Sabbath. Even before Adam and Eve, God creates the heavens and the earth and people and animals and vegetation. And then we read this. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And I like a deeper interpretation of this that says on the seventh day, God didn't just rest, but God created rest. On the seventh day, God created serenity, tranquility, silence. I like this idea that God may have manufactured the cosmos in the first six days, but on the seventh day, God inserted God's self into the world as a holy knowing, as a creative presence. So much so that when you practice Sabbath, when you rest, you return to the natural rhythms that is the expression of nature that is your own body. And you experience restoration. You allow yourself to return into the rhythms of the seasons and of life itself and are restored. And it's so important as we enter the holiday season that we're not just barreling through the holidays. <laughs> Can you believe it's November 12th already? Oh my gosh, the time sure does fly. Time didn't fly. You did. You barreled through it. Not resting, not slowing down, not paying attention. And if you're not careful, you'll miss it. You'll miss that tranquility. You'll miss your own soul. You'll miss being your true self. A Sabbath heart is an open mind. A Sabbath heart is a rested body. A Sabbath heart is returning one's spirit to its source. A Sabbath heart is an awakened soul. And so for this holiday season, I, I'm not able to get gifts for everybody. But what I'd actually like to do this year is to take some things away from you. I want to take from you this holiday season. And the first thing that I want to take from you is your calendar. Okay, I have most of your addresses. I'll be there sometime this week. Take your time to take all your calendars away. Because we don't look to these calendars to uh, remind us where we are in relationship to the sun. Um, we look at them to build our manufactured selves. Not that they're not sincere, but they can become very superficial. The well-organized life is completely void of adventure. And we fill up 
all of the days. I've got to do this. I've got to be here. Uh, This manufactured self gets all this attention and our soul misses out. Wayne Muller, in his modern spiritual classic, Sabbath, available in our Works of Heart store, he says, we meet dozens of people, have so many conversations. We do not feel how much energy we spend on each activity because we imagine we will always have more energy at our disposal. This one little conversation, this one extra phone call, this one quick meeting, what can it cost? But it does cost. It drains yet another drop of our life. Anyone else here feeling drained drip by drip by the busyness of your calendar? Often people ask me, Josh, how do you write your brilliant sermons? <laughs> I don't know. Why are you laughing? No. Uh, once in a while, someone says, hey, Josh, how do you write your talks? And I tell them <laughs> that, that for me, ideally, it begins as soon as I get home on a Sunday. Because for me, um, pulpit ministry, as we call it, ideally is a conversation. It's a rapport that we build with one another. And I like to take all the energy and all the words that I've heard from you, and I'm, I'm so excited about what I get to say to you next that I, I start working on it right away, and I'll, I'll do some research on Sundays. And so uh, two weeks ago I spoke, I came home, and I got all my books on Sabbath, and I started writing all these notes about rest and realized how exhausted I was. <laughs> a little overworked. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do some homework, and I'm going to rest. So I went and I lied on the couch, laid on the couch, and I watched the Bronco game for an hour and a half. And it had been a long time, especially having a five-year-old who sees the purpose of your identity to take her to the park on Sundays. It had been a long time, and thank God it was the Bronco game where they beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. It'd be a very different sermon if I was watching that Miami game. You know, it's a hard, inspirational message. Hey guys, it's the fourth quarter and we're only down 70. We can do this. <laughs> Bad inspirational messages. And maybe you relate to this, but when I rest at a time that isn't scheduled for rest, I go into judgment about myself right away. Lazy. What are you doing? What material good is lying down doing you in the world? There's so much more you could be doing for this manufactured self to be successful and to be seen as successful and to get stuff done and to feel good about yourself. Mueller also shares, our culture invariably supposes that action and accomplishment are better than rest, that doing something, anything, is better than doing nothing. Because of our desire to succeed, to meet these ever-growing expectations, we do not rest. Because we do not rest, we lose our way. Because we do not rest, we lose our way. Rest I want to argue today, is the most potent form of creative action. And I was grateful to watch that Bronco game, and I was grateful to take a spirit of rest into the rest of my evening. And when I woke up and did my writing, it all just poured out. There was a part of me that whole time that was working on the message that I'm delivering right now, and I didn't even have to pay attention to it. Because rest is the most potent form of creative action action. It returns us to our roots. It reminds us that we are part of the wisdom and the tranquility and the rhythm of the the seasons of Mother Earth. 
It returns us to our soul and refreshed, we are prepared in a place of inner trust, not anxiety and conflict, to live our lives with a creative joy. A Sabbath heart is an open mind, a rested body, a spirit returned to its source, and an awakened soul. And when I have the opportunity to enter a Sabbath day, a Sabbath hour, a Sabbath minute, I recite the following prayer I've written for myself and I share it with you today. In this year, there is openness. In this month, there is creative space. In this week, there is rest. In this day, there is depth. In this hour, there is vastness. In this moment, all is well. You want to say it with me? Please and thank you. In this year, there is openness. In this month, there is creative space. In this week, there is rest. In this day, there is depth. In this hour, there is vastness. In this moment, all is well. In this moment, in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, all is well. I say this prayer to remind myself that life is enough. Life is enough. Life has everything you need to be the best possible you. Stop fighting with it. Stop doubting it. Stop fighting yourself and surrender to the very nature of your being that contains within it everything you need to be the best who you are. The manufactured self will fight this. It will worry and it will argue. It's the natural byproduct of acting like a maniac. <laughs> but when we, when we practice conscious forgetting, we remember that life is enough and it feeds us. It restores us. It uplifts us. What a spiritual practice the Sabbath is. And again, whether you can have a whole Sabbath day Sabbath hour or Sabbath minute, I invite you into this sacred practice, especially during this holiday time. What a reminder to embrace holy instance in this sacred now. So I want your calendars, and uh, I also want your clocks. <laughs> if I could get a rope, I could do a flavor flay thing up here. It would be great. I want, your, I want your watches and your clocks because, you, you know, you know we just make this up, right? You know this is just pretend, right? In the United States, when the railroad service finally got going, that's when we really got these things all over and somehow agreed to coordinate with one another. Uh, but again, who you really are doesn't run on TikTok time. I mean, I love it for meeting one another on time and things like that, but it's not what your soul runs on. Your soul runs on the stillness of time. Your soul runs on nature, and so does your body too. And when we can put the clock away, even for an hour, even for a moment, we can allow the sacred time, the time of the eternal, the time of creation and creativity itself. We are a part of the creation story, Mueller tells us, a part of all of its laws and rhythms. You don't have to be religious to practice the Sabbath. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be Christian. 
the Sabbath, in a way, can be your religion. It's that intentional time you take for the timeless. It's that intentional time you take to honor and search for the sacred and to experience the very meaning of your life. There was a young man named Oliver. He realized when he was very young that he was gay. And he came to age in the 1940s, a child in a very devout Jewish family. And when he was 18, his father asked him if he had sexual feelings towards other boys. Yes, I do, Dad, but I've never acted on it. Please don't tell Ma. And the next morning, he had told Ma, and Ma came down with a furious look on her face. You are an abomination, she told her son. I wish you had never been born. I'm sorry for yelling. I wish you had never been born. And this created not only a rift between Oliver and his family, but it nurtured a a hatred for religion. Because how else could a mother say something like that to her son if not influenced by that fundamentalism in this, the language in Leviticus or whatever it was. And Oliver, Oliver Sacks, would grow up to become one of the most celebrated doctors of the 20th century. A neurologist, he would focus his attention on the inspiration and the experience of his, of his patients, learning to love them, learning to listen to them. And he would write famous books like The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. <laughs> Dr. Barry does it all the time. <laughs> or Awakenings, which was a, a big uh, budget movie where, Oliver, uh, where uh, Robin Williams played Oliver uh, and Robert De Niro is in it as well. You know you've hit it when Robin Williams plays you in a movie. And throughout his career, uh, Sachs would build a relationship with a man named John Amon, a very busy man, a devout Jew, who even though he was a Nobel Prize winner in economics, even though he had 30 children and grandchildren, he always took his Sabbath day. And he encouraged Sachs to return to his Judaism. He said, the observance of the Sabbath is extremely beautiful and is impossible without being religious. It is not even a question of improving society. It is about improving one's quality of life. It's not even a question of improving society. It is about improving one's own quality of life. In 2014, Oliver Sacks was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he did what only Oliver Sacks would do. He started writing about it. And he uh, had published four incredible uh, opinion columns in the New York Times. It's all encapsulated in a book called Gratitude that's in our Works of Heart store as well. And the last of these op-eds he wrote, he entitled Sabbath. And he shares, and now, weak, short of breath, my once firm muscles melted away by cancer. I find my thoughts increasingly, not on the supernatural or spiritual, but on what is meant by living a good and worthwhile life. Achieving a sense of peace within oneself, I find my thoughts drifting to the Sabbath, the day of rest, the seventh day of the week, and perhaps the seventh day of one's life as well, when one can feel that one's work is done and one may, in good conscience, rest. 
As far as I know, these are his final public words. Don't let anything keep you from your Sabbath time, from your sacred time, for it's there that we meet the God of our own understanding. It's there that our eternal bonds with loved ones who've passed on exist. It's there that our potential, our calling, is always with us, moving us forward. A Sabbath heart is an open mind, a rested body, a spirit returned to its source, and a soul awakened. So I want your calendars. I want your clocks. And you know what I'm going to ask you for now, right? Money. <laughs> I want your phones. I want your phones. Ushers are going to come forward because uh, I know you have them all with you. If you haven't texted to give yet, please do so. And they are going to collect the phones. Now, I think my friend Barry has a, a pretty healthy disgust of phones in, in general. Um, uh, here, here's mine. I, I love them. I love these things. They connect me to the world in such a profound way. But if you're not careful, they'll eat your soul. <laughs> if you're not careful, they'll take your soul from you. We forget the value of being a little bored. There are these really important moments in our lives that exist for contemplation of the infinite or of nothing at all. The 10 minutes when you're waiting for your food. The silent pause in the middle of an argument with your spouse. Sitting on a park bench. The few moments between when you get up and when you get out of bed in the morning. And if you're not careful, we allow these phones to fill that space. And it's not artificial intelligence that we have to be worried about. It's our intelligence becoming artificial that we have to worry about. I know this artificial intelligence, we like to talk about it a lot, and I'm not saying it's not concerning, but I do always think back to Schopenhauer, who in the 17th century wrote about the dangers of reading. We've got to keep these books away from these kids because they're thinking for them. And, and I don't mean to be light on our artificial intelligence. It's something that we need to pay attention to, but note, it's artificial intelligence. It doesn't contemplate. It doesn't have an emotional compass. It doesn't have a soul. Make sure that I'm talking about it and not you. Right? We need that time to rest, to be able to say, where am I? Who am I? Why am I here? If I don't know, why am I going to choose to be here? What are my hopes and dreams? What is something that someone said to me that I, I trapped somewhere that I need to feel and process? Our phones, if we're not careful, can take us away from the Sabbath moments that are available to us. In honor of AI, however, I did go to ChatGPT uh, this week and I said, how can I tell the Mile High Church congregation to best practice the Sabbath? And of course, it came up with a clearer answer than I could for you today. So I, I figured I'd share it with you today. Um, step one, plan ahead. Good advice. Two, disconnect from digital distractions. Three, prioritize rest and relaxation. Four, reflect on spiritual teaching. And five, practice gratitude. Way to go, ChatGPT. Yes. C3PO will be giving the message next week. I uh, appreciated the time getting to be your senior leader here. 
A Sabbath heart is an open mind, a rested body, a spirit returned to its source, a soul awakened. And we can enter into that Sabbath time anytime we choose. You know, I know you're not going to get rid of your calendars. I know you're not going to get rid of your clocks. I know for damn sure you ain't getting rid of your phone. (laughs) So what I want to challenge you to do this week and through this holiday season is to use these three things covertly to encourage you to have Sabbath time. I'll call it the Sabbath challenge. I challenge you to either have a full Sabbath day or to plan one hour of Sabbath time every day. If you can't get it in 60 minutes, get it in 15 here or there. On your calendar, I want you to plan and schedule your time to do nothing. Plan and schedule that Sabbath time. It will change your life for good. On those clocks, I want you to set alarm after alarm after alarm to remind you that time in the TikTok sense is not real. And to take a Sabbath breath, a Sabbath minute, a Sabbath moment, to just be and rest. And you'll find all that energy you're looking for outside of yourself is already right there, ready to restore and uplift you. I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to write, remember the Sabbath. I want you to take a picture of it and make it the wallpaper on your phone. So that even when you pull out your phone, it reminds you to put it away. (laughs) That the silence is worth it. That nothingness isn't boring. You are being boring in the nothingness. So be creative in your thought. Utilize that thing called your imagination. All those best ideas and epiphanies you've been struggling for, they're right there. If we would simply go under into that subjective part of ourselves that knows what we're looking for. Life is enough. You are enough. Your body is a beautiful creation, an expression of Mother Nature and of the divine. And within it are all the answers, all the energy, all the spirit that you need to go forward and live a great life. Sachs, when he first got his diagnosis, shared the following. Over the last few days, I've been able to see my life as from a great altitude, as a sort of landscape, and with a deepening sense of the connection of all its parts. This does not mean I am finished with life. On the contrary, I feel intensely alive, and I want and hope in the time that remains to deepen my friendships, to say farewell to those I love, to write more, to travel if I have the strength, to achieve new levels of understanding and insight. We don't have to wait until we get a terminal diagnosis to be doing these things, to strengthen our friendships, to share our love with the people we care about, to spend our lives doing what gives us energy as opposed to what takes it away, to appreciate the very gift of this moment, which is in my mind to realize your eternal life in the sacred. Sacred moments in a holy now, always available. The purpose of what a holy day is meant to be. But it's not holy if we don't allow ourselves into the experience of the beauty of nature. In this year, there is openness 
In this month, there is creative space. In this week, there is rest. In this day, there is depth. In this hour, there is vastness. In this moment, all is well. And to close with one more thought from Sachs as we move into prayer. He shared, I cannot pretend I am without fear, but my predominant feeling is one of gratitude. I have loved and been loved. I have been given much and I have given something in return. I have read and traveled and thought and written. I have had an intercourse with the world, the special intercourse of writers and readers. Above all, I've been a sentient being, a thinking animal on this beautiful planet. And that in itself has been an enormous privilege and adventure.